What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Recorded live. Well, hello once again. This is Michael Adams from Nothing But The Truth. It's been a busy day recording shows. Um, I'm going to do now another episode of uh, Are We Under the Mark of the Beast? And I believe this is number eight now or something like that. Anyways. And we will go back to reading... Um, Mark of the Beast to be enforced by remnant.org. Excuse me, remnantofgod.org. But first, we'll start out with the headlines, some of them. Very slow concerning the uh, uh, Mother Church, the organization that <clears throat> seems to be running the show. Uh, article number one, Huffington Post. Halter server scandal is a reminder of how far the Catholic Church has to go to win women. Win, to go with women. Excuse me. They were to win women, sure. While Pope Francis has been widely hailed as a champion of social progress, when it comes to evaluate, evaluating women's role, critics say the Catholic Church, blah, 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 has a long way to Anyways, it has something to do with uh, Ultra Girls and some, one of their churches in San Francisco, which is wacky in itself. But... Um, Take take apart take take part dot com how the Bible Belt Evangelical Church embraced gay rights when Dale Wigden went to services at Grace Point Evangelical Evangelical Church in Franklin Tennessee for the first time around two hundred years he wasn't expected much etc cetera, etc cetera, whatever. Great. Um, very slow uh, week concerning the papacy. I think is everything's been focusing on uh, uh, the Super Bowl and Katy Perry and her wackiness and uh, her satanic ritual that she's going to perform for us. Um. Uh, International Business Times, Mormon women speak out in new LDS survey on temple garments. Uh, on a new online survey on the Mormon underwear, officially known as temple garments, may give women a chance to be heard. And uh, I remember that. I used to have to wear that when I was a Mormon missionary. And that was a pain in the butt. 
ridiculous as all get out. And let's see. A lot of things about Katy Perry. Confirms Mean Girls tweeted. He had something to Taylor Swift. Good gracious. What did I ever add? Um, of course, a lot of things about the Super Bowl. I think it's nothing more important. And the Heisman. And I used to care about football myself. Actually, I used to play football in high school. It was all right. My dad was very good at it, actually. But football scholarships and all that jazz. But was not for me. Uh, Salt Lake Tribune once again. LDS Church asking Mormons for input on <laughs> temple garments. Probably just stop wearing them. It doesn't help you anyways. It doesn't protect you. Main, more uh, biopic of Prophet Muhammad divides Sunni and Shia Muslims amid the global controversy over depiction of Muhammad biopic of Prophet's life divides Sunni Sunni and Shia Muslims. And, of course, that's been one of the main goals going on over there and divide and conquer as they get Muslims to kill Muslims. For the New World Order, got pictures of uh, 22 3D tattoos that will twist your mind. Why anybody... This girl has a tattoo of a spider on her shoulder. Why would you want that? I just don't, I can't even figure it out. Uh, Pope Francis says, Polinium Ceremony will be held at home, not Rome. International Business Times, Pope Francis has made a change to an annual ceremony held to new archbishops. It's a modification that has been seen as an effort to blah, blah, blah. And, of course, seem to be really shaking up uh, what's going on there. And he's doing a very good job of that. But then it's all part of the uh, New World Order, right? And we shall see more about that. Once again, yeah, don't forget, the Pope is showing up in September to have a joint session with Congress and the Senate. And uh, why the Pope is showing up there to actually be talking to those folks should be raise everybody's eyebrows and ask the question, uh, what happened to separation of church and state? And who might be really running the show? So a lot of things about sports and models and super uh, satanic people that are going to perform in our, on their uh, satanic platform, the Super Bowl. Anyways, very slow, first, very, very slow week when it comes concerning the papacy and the Pope. Um, makes you wonder, because nothing's ever really slow like concerning them. Anyways, we're going to go back to uh, reading from uh, Nicholas's 
article, uh, Mark the Beast, Mark the Beast to be enforced, and we stopped at, uh, can the law save you? And, uh, the answer is no, it can't. So we'll, we'll, uh, read, I think, the last paragraph that I read before I, I left off last and uh, go from there. Look at, at, look at it this way. Go inside. Excuse me, go outside. Roll in a mud puddle. Now walk back into the house and stand in front of the mirror. The mirror do, does its job by showing you all the mud on your body. Now ask the mirror to clean all the mud of your body. Can it do that? No, of course not. All the mirror can do is show you that you have mud on you. Its only purpose is to let you know you need to be cleansed. In James chapter 1, we see the word depicts the law of God as a looking glass where men can peer into to discover his true condition. Like the mirror, the law cannot make anyone clean. Its sole purpose is to let us know where we need to be cleansed. It lets us know we are filthy with sin. Mankind cannot clean the sin off. So the man looking in the mirror of God realizes he is in need of one that can clean him of the sin. He desperately wants to be clean because he knows sin clearly leads to death. This is where Jesus comes in. The law of God cannot remove our defilement. It can't it can only reveal we are defiled. And contrary to popular belief, we cannot clean ourselves as some religious religions teach. Take the Roman Catholic Church, for example. They declare we can gain heaven by our good works. Yet it is yet it says in Ephesians two nine that it is not of works lest any man should boast. If we could do all this on our own, why did Jesus have to die such a terror or horrible death on the cross? So once again, can the law save us? No. So for this, for those of those who accuse me and others that somehow we're some kind of a, you know a separatist denomination of the Adventists, hey, here we go. There's your answer. The law can not save you. It's only simply a mirror to show you your sinful nature and why you need a Savior. The strange demand of the Pope to seek laws to force us to openly break God's law is exactly the same type of command that was being forced upon the children of God in Daniel chapter 3 long ago. Three believers were put to the test in the very same way we see the Pope tempting 
are attempting to do to do to all believers today. They were commanded by government authorities to break the commandment of God so as to keep the law put forth by mankind. In this case, the enemy of souls tried to force them to break commandments number two by putting forth laws forcing people to worship a golden idol built by King Nebuchadnezzar. We see Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego, yep, choosing rather to face a fiery death in the first and break the law of God. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up, Daniel 3.17. As we know, the creator God did indeed deliver them from the fire of this furnace in a very graphic way for all to see. In fact, the king was so amazed at what was happening that he ran towards the furnace to see what the Lord had done. He couldn't believe his eyes. He actually saw the men walking around in the fire unharmed. Plus, Daniel records that the king also saw the Son of God walking with the three believers. Daniel 3.25, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. <clears throat> Later on, Daniel himself was placed in, a, in peril in chapter 6 at the same book. The same book. Daniel chose to be thrown into lion's den to be eaten alive rather than follow the unjust laws of the land, seek ye to force him to break the first commandment of God. And again we see the, the almighty and everlasting living God of all creation deliver him trusting children from the uh, literal jaws of death. Uh, the Lord sent an angel to actually shut the mouths of all those hungry lions. Daniel was not harmed in the least that day. Daniel 6, uh, verse 22, My God hath sent his angel, and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him uh, innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. The book of Esther records yet another law of mankind that was put into effect to exterminate all of the Lord's people that would not forsake the law of God to keep man's law. Uh, Mordecai 
would not break the commandment of the Lord and bow down to worship Haman as the laws of the land demanded. Esther 3, 2, And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and revered Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. And yes, again, we see the Lord God prevented the death of his people once again. In fact, we see that Haman himself was exterminated instead of the children of God. He wanted to hang Mordecai upon the gallows he built. Instead, it was Haman himself who hung on those gallows. Esther 7.10, And so they hung Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Uh, then was the king wrath pacified. The devil keeps using the same method of attack against God's people time and time, time after time throughout the history of mankind for two simple reasons. First, he hates the law of God because it proves we need a savior. Two, secondly, he's, his forceful methods work well on the masses. Every governing official from day one will attest to the fact that it's far easier to get a large group of people to follow your lead than it is to get one individual to do as you suggest. In the past, everyone but a few believers bowed to Satan's forces, force with ease. I ask, is the law of God about to be placed on the, the political chopping block once again so as to force the children of the Lord into making a choice between the law of God and the laws of man? The word of God states, the beast in Rome shall speak great words against the Most High and think to change times and laws. Daniel 7.25 Besides uh, the uh, Dios Domini of John Paul II seeking to echo such a blunt fulfillment of this prophecy, is there any other documented historic proof that the popes of Rome seek to do as the agents of Satan have done so often in the past? Are they once again seeking to fashion laws in direct opposition to the law of God? Is the Roman Catholic Church seeking to take our over governments so as to ensure her agenda is met? Is the Roman Church speaking out against the heavenly government of the Creator as well? Then we go here, it says, Rome mocks the heavenly kingdom. Not the creator of the universe, in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, but the Catholic Church can claim the honor of having granted men a pause to his work every seven days. 
SC Mosna uh, Storia della uh, Dominicia, uh, 1969, pages uh, 366 or 367. Uh, Earth. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, the Pope is of great authority and power that he can modify, explain, and interpret even divine laws. The Pope can modify divine law since his power is not of men, but of God. He acts as vice-regent of God upon upon earth. And this is a Lucius Ferrius Ferrarius Propta I hate these Italian names and these uh Rebilio Thicca Papa uh, Article two translated. Okay, and the next quote is the Pope has the power to change times, to fabricate and then in brackets change laws <clears throat> and to dispense with all things, even the precepts of Christ. The Pope has the authority and often exercised it to dispense with the command of Christ. And, uh, oh, I don't even want to read this one. Decretal de Tranlitic uh, Episcop Cap. The Pope can modify divine law. Ferrarius Ecclesiastical Dictionary. The next quote, this organization proposes in every possible way to aid the preserving Sunday as a civil institution. Our national security requires the active support of all good citizens in the maintenance of our American Sabbath. Sunday laws must be enforced, quoted as principal content in the Constitution of the original organization, then called the American Sabbath Union, cited in the Lord's Day Alliance, 25th Report, 1913, page 6. Rome mocks earthly kingdoms. In the book of Confusion Twice Confounded, Monsignor Joseph H. Brady states that the U.S. Supreme Court is wrong in decisions regarding separation of church and state. Hence, we see why the Pope is coming in September to address and to have a joint session of the Congress and Senate. Because there is no separation of church and state in this country, is there? He says, quote, a sound view of the Constitution and its relation to religion probability awaits a change in personal personnel in our highest tribunal. The Register, January 23, 1955. And then it says here the next one, um, but constitutions can be changed and non-Catholic sects may decline to such a point that the political prescription and the brackets ban of them may become feasible and expedient. What protection 
would they have against a Catholic state? That's a very good question. And that's what the Protestants were dealing with. Those who were protesting and trying to, and were coming out of the, the Mother Church, they were living in Catholic states, and they were being persecuted. And for them to go all the way and to honor the Sabbath day, it was a hard enough challenge back then for them to even break away and then stand alone, let alone to take it all the way. Uh, we are in a situation at time when we can. Uh, is that an excuse on, uh, on their part? You know, listen, we know, we understand the, uh, the majority of us who are Bible-believing Christians. We have a better understanding of the Bible today than they did. And I'm not knocking the Reformers, but you've got to remember of the simple fact of access to the Bible. And the access that we have today to the Bible compared to what they had then, I mean, it's just night and day, so come on. You've got to give them a little bit of a break. <clears throat> the State and Church, pages 38 through 39, by Miller and Ryan, uh, in or of Cardinal Hayes. I wish they'd just use the plain old English, but they had they can't, I guess. <clears throat> they would end up condemning them. And they would lose their authority. And language in particular is an important part of their sorcery. I gotta cough here for a second. Sorry about that. The Catholic Church is this nation. The Catholic Church in this nation must live on the accomplished, live on to accomplish her work. Okay, even though our republican form of government disappears, uh, Catholic world, in 1935, page 12. Now imagine they're talking about the United States, and guess what? That's just what happened, isn't it? The republican form of government did disappear, and now we have uh, dominantly, predominantly, absolutely, I. Catholic state. And no one did anything about it because it's... I don't know why. They, in brackets, Catholics must penetrate wherever possible in the administrations of civil affairs. All Catholics should do all in their power to cause the constitution of state legislation to be modeled on the principles of the true church. Ecclesiastical of Leo XIII. Under the influence of Germanic customs and concepts, torture was little used from the 9th to 12th century, but with the revival of the Roman law, the practice was reestablished in the 12th century. In 1252, Pope Innocent, I love that, Pope Innocent, hardly, the fourth sanction, the infliction of torture by the civil authorities upon heretics, and torture came to have a recognized place in the procedure of the inquisitional courts. New Catholic Encyclopedia, Arts, 
either articles, inquisition, uh, auto, defi, or defi, and massacre of St. Bartholomew's Day. Coming from the horse's mouth, folks. By the way, the word torture was first heard and used in the Vatican. It's no mistake we see the mention of torture being used in today's government as well. It is also no mistake that John Paul II reinstated the Office of Inquisition not too long ago. So we realize how old this article is because Pope John the, the, uh, Paul II is dead. But in my lifetime, the Office of Inquisition was reinstated. You think that might be some kind of concern for all of us? By the way, those who call us Protestants, all those who qualify as heretics according to this church, that means liberal Catholics, that means atheists, that means free-thinking individuals, that means anybody that doesn't fall in line with the papacy. Are you one of them? You might want to ask yourself that. Pope John Paul II revived Inquisitions. The thought of a, a revived Holy Office of Inquisition would pacify some and offend others. Nevertheless, the Holy Office still exists. Only its name has been changed. The Pope John Paul II has been instrumental in its revival. One may argue that the that this Ratzinger-run agency is merely an attempt by the Catholic Church to root out communist and black backslidden priests and their practices. However, with uh, John Paul II's objective to implement God's mandate by creating a global, a global church state global church state not just church a church state hence Pope Francis coming in September to address both Congress and the Senate in a joint session think about that which will administer from traditional Roman Catholic theology is enough cause for alarm. Malachi Martin has already stated in his book, The Keys of This Blood, that the Pope will not tolerate any belief system that oppose his, not on a civil or church level. And John Paul II, the world will behold a tyrant who will coldly execute direct orders against those whom he deems are heretics or immoral. Uh, I guess there's a death sentence on me and one of others. So. Well, all the glory goes to Jesus. Moreover, like his papal predecessor, John Paul II will carry out his godly mandate in the name of Christ, or perhaps Mary. May God help us all. By Kathleen R. Hayes, February 1991, NRI, Trump, page 3.
And yes, the man named Ratzinger. That was put in place by John Paul II to run the office is none other than Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, who was later elected as Pope Benedict XVI, after John Paul II died. So the head of the Inquisition, the office of the Inquisition, turned it out to be, well, his name is Ratzinger, and he turned out to be Pope Benedict XVI. That's what they consider a conservative pope although he still was an anti-pope by many conservatives, because I guess he didn't kill enough people. In the name of the church. Not in Christ. Not in the name of Jesus Christ. And in the true living Jesus Christ. This only begotten, the Son of God. But in the bigger of Christ. I guess they just failed. They didn't kill enough people. Although they did a pretty good job between birth control and uh, abortion and uh, genocide and poisonous with their uh, vaccines and uh, their weapons and their GMO foods and the poison in the air. I mean, this goes on and on and on. They are doing a pretty good job, but I guess it's just not good enough. Now you hear over and over again about the Georgia Guidestones and how they want to kill or Agenda 21 and they want to kill what, nine-tenths of us? Who's it that really wants to kill us? Oh, it's the elite. But they never can tell you who the elite are. Well, I'm going to tell you who the elite are. It's called the Roman Catholic Church. It's the papacy, and it's been their goal all along. And the Bible tells you that it's responsible for all the slain on the earth. The true living God told us that. Now you know the truth. Now you can stop speculating about who the elite are. As of today, I placed the words remove the Ten Commandments in Google and found 48,000 articles and websites discussing the topic. Placing just one word, or just the words Ten Commandments in the search issue popped up 5,030,000 articles and websites. Need I remind you of all the news reports concerning the Ten Commandments and the U.S. Congress uh, these last few years? Yes, the law of God is a topic on many lips these days, and most of those lips are lawmakers and are not from those fake Christians. So many of them out there. Or maybe they're not fake. Maybe they actually are Christians. Doesn't say much for Christians, then, does it? Now that we understand that we should keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12.13, you may be wondering, why is it so important that we keep the Sabbath of the Lord? Besides, the fact that breaking it is a sin, biblical fact, is the importance of the Sabbath has to deal with who will choose to obey. The Lord commands that we worship him on the seventh day, which is, of course, the Sabbath. 
the devil understood the authority of the man, the men ruling the Roman Catholic Church, says we should worship on Sunday. The Bible says, remember that thou keep, the ho- keep holy the Sabbath day. The Catholic Church says, no, by my divine power, I abolish the Sabbath day and command that you keep the first day of the week. And lo, the entire civilized world bows down in reverent obedience to the command of the Holy Catholic Church. Father and right. CSSR of the Redemptoral College, Kansas City, History of the Sabbath, page 802. Is not every Christian obliged to sanctify Sunday and abstain on that day from unnecessary servile work? Is not the observance of this law among the most prominent of our sacred duties? But you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday, a day which we never sanctified. James Cardinal Gibbons, The Faith of Our Fathers, 1917 edition, page 7273. Again, I ask, why is the devil attacking the Sabbath? Why is the devil using the men in the Roman Catholic Church to make such a bold and obvious stance against the Sabbath of our Lord thy God? Why are they making it such an issue in the sermons, books, articles, tracts, websites, audios, and videos? Why do you suppose they are doing it with so much more enthusiasm now? The Bible speaks of a mark that will be enforced directly before the second coming of Jesus Christ. The word mark, as it is expounded upon in the American Heritage Electronic Thesaurus, comes with numerous variations uh, to the word. For example, the word evidence, sign, witness, symbol, indicator, stamp, token, uh, signification, label, seal, brand, imprint, can all be used alternatively just as easy. Revelation 13, 16, 17 says, And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark on their, in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Why is the mark so important? And what do the actual features of a mark, what are the, the actual features of a mark? Okay. Have you ever signed a document to validate or confirm that it is authentic? Have you ever given your seal of approval on something? Have you ever marked an item of yours as proof of ownership? In government, this is an undeniable fact of life. 
as we know, signing a document actually authenticates that document. Government declarations must always bear a mark or an official seal of approval on it for validity. But what are the actual features of an official mark or seal made by governing bodies? An official seal or signature must always have three distinct features to be considered valid. First, the name of the official. Second, the title of the official. Third, the territory of the official. When the President of the United States signs a bill into law, so close to a pole. Ah, anyways, he must sign it. First name, George Washington. Second title, President. Third character, the United States of America. Collectively, his signature would read George Washington, President of the United States. Absolutely every document must be signed or sealed in this matter for it to become an official legal document. Without it, it's a useless piece of paper. Sounds like somebody in the past that said that. Uh, what was his name? George W. Was it W? It was Bush Jr., right? Did he say something similar to that? You know, guys. Looking at, to the uh, crater we realize that he does, in fact, have a heavenly kingdom. And a kingdom always has a governing body. In this case, God himself, the Almighty, also has a legal document containing his law for that kingdom. The Lord's legal document is his law, the Ten Commandments. Looking directly into the midst of these Ten Commandments, you will find the seal of the living God. Within the fourth commandment, we find the words, For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Exodus 20, verse 11. In that passage, we see all the necessary features of an official seal. Without these three features, the law would be nothing more than words etched on stone. Again, an official seal or signature must always have three distinct features to be considered valid. His name, the Lord. I am the Lord. That is my name, Isaiah 42, 8. His title, Creator. Notice, the Lord made, uh, the Lord made in the above verse, which we were, you know, made heaven and earth. Um, uh, third, his territory, heaven and earth. Notice heaven and earth is in the above verse. So, Name, Lord, title, creator, territory, heaven and earth. Collectively, his signature reads, the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. One can easily see that the seal of the creator God is actually found in the Sabbath commandment of the Creator God. It is an, an acknowledgement of his authority as the Creator as well as the author of the law written in stone. When we see his Sabbath, we are expressing 
that we recognize, remember, and worship him as our creator. Psalm 77, verse 11 says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. How should we remember him? The fourth commandment plainly says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why do we remember him on this day? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. The sea and all that is in that in them is, and rest on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Exodus twenty, uh, verse eight and eleven. Even if you were unable to step into a church on the Sabbath, you can keep the Sabbath holy. That alone makes a clear statement of your aspirations to worship the Creator God without ever having to speak a word. The act of worship alone can be seen far and wide. You could literally be deaf, blind, and paralyzed from head to toe and still have the ability to proclaim Jesus Lord, or excuse me, Christ Lord by keeping the, that day holy to the best of your ability. When you do this, the Lord proclaims unto you that it is a sign between me and you throughout the gener your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doeth sanctify you. Exodus 33:13. With that said, it is easy to see why the devil would take a to attack the Sabbath day. It's the ultimate threat to his agenda and his dominion. The devil wants to be worshipped and recognized as well as pronounced as pronounced a god by as many as he can tempt. When you do his will, you make him your god. Romans Romans six sixteen. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. When you obey, you give worship. Is this not the age-old controversy between Satan and Jesus? Is this not the plot of his holy war we find ourselves engaged in? Who you choose to worship makes all the difference in the battle between truth and lies. Satan seeks your worship out of sheer arrogance. Did he not already say in his heart that he wants to be like the Most High? Okay. The prophet Isaiah clearly stated, O Lucifer, for thou hast said in thy heart, I will be like the Most High. Isaiah 14, and 12, uh, 12, 13, and 14. See how God has already sealed the, the true Sabbath as his sign or mark. The devil's only recourse is to counterfeit his own Sabbath as a sign or mark of a dominion as a God. As we discovered earlier, the Lord declares unto all creation that if you truly love him, you will keep his commandments, 
keeping the Sabbath day is proof unto all that you worship the Creator God. Again, we see in Exodus 31:13, the Lord God telling us that, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. This verse allows us to realize why the devil's been working so hard for so long at hiding the truth about the Sabbath. It's God's sign. It's God's seal of approval. It's God's mark of ownership. Some will say that this is only for the Jews, since it was only the Jews being spoken to in Exodus 31, verse 13. Yet Old Testament prophecy and New Testament fulfillment reinforce that if you claim Christ, Lord, you are Israel. Okay. Prophetic statements. Genesis 49.10 The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Hosea 2.23 And I will show her unto me, or sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say, uh, say to them, which were not my people, thou art my people, and they shall say, thou art my God. Prophetic statement repeated by Christ. He is speaking to Jews here. Matthew 21, verse 43. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you, and given to a nation, bringeth forth the fruit thereof. Prophecy fulfilled. Acts 13:46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, and judged yourself unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Romans 2, 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Romans 9, verses 6 through 8. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but I, but, excuse me, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Galatians 3.29 And if ye be Christ, then 
are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In short, if you are a follower of Christ Jesus the Lord, you are now considered biblical Israel. The reason Satan has twisted the truth on this is to get millions to believe in false prophecy about the Jewish nation, a, uh, a third temple, and a host of other strange prophetic lies. Biblical fact, the biblical fact remains, how can they be God's people when most of them openly deny God's Son for the last 2,000 years? The scriptures are plain here. You must embrace Jesus as Lord to be considered God's people. Praise the Lord. Some have done so and become Christians over the years. So, how does the beast plan, plan to get his, this mark in the forehead and in the hand of his followers? First of all, let's look at how the Lord seals his children so that they can better see Satan's counterfeit. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Revelation 7, two, verses 2 and 3. Did you notice that it says, The Almighty seal them in their foreheads? This is why Christians never remember being stamped, sealed, or marked by God when they became truly saved and began to walk as he has written they will walk. When God seals us in the forehead, it was not a mark on the forehead like a tattoo, and it certainly is isn't a computer chip under the skin, either because I don't recall God doing that to me years ago. In fact, I was saved by the Lord over 20 years ago before the computer age was so plainly upon us. Simple truth is the forehead represents the mind here. Isaiah 8:16. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. Second Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Hebrews 10.16 says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds, will I write them? Scientific discovery has recently revealed that the frontal lobe of the cerebrum, which in layman terms is called the forehead, is where functions like decisions, judgment, and free will are made. We are sealed by God. When we make a free will decision to accept Jesus as our Savior, and his word as truth. 
This then causes our lives to be affected by his doctrine, teachings, and most importantly, his commandments. Also see 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3, and Hebrews 10, excuse me, 8, verse 10, and Hebrews 10, 16. Now let's look at how the beast administers his mark. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Revelation 13, 16. In this verse, we now see the mark of the beast is not only being received in the forehead, it's in the hand as well. We already found the forehead represents the mind and prophecy. So this means the people with the mark of the beast in the forehead have made a free will decision thinking it, is, it was perfectly acceptable to replace God's law with man's traditions. But what of those that receive it in the hand? Truth is, much of mankind is not likely to freely go along with the beast's plans. So, he has to rely on the use of force instead. This is where the hand comes to play. Jeremiah 38, verse 23, Thou shalt not escape out of thy hands, but shalt be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon, and thou shalt cause this city to be burnt with fire. Uh, Ecclesiastes uh, 9.10 Whatsoever thy, name, thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, no knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. In prophecy, the hand represents being forced against our will as well as our ability to buy and sell our work. As Ecclesiastes 9.10 put it, as we all know, Jesus will never force himself on us. He prepares, he prefers we choose to worship him of our own free will. Decision made in the mind. In the revolt in heaven, two-thirds of the heaven made the right choice. However, one-third made the sinful choice fell along with Satan. See Revelations 12.4. Even our first parents had to deal with choice. Just as, as the forbidden fruit in Eden was a choice for them, the forbidden mark of the beast is a choice for us. Both choices have a life or death consequence, and both choices declare who we choose to obey. Daniel and the three worthies had these choices, as did Mordecai and Esther. Esther. This is always the devil's main mode of attack. Why would he choose a different method when all his past efforts worked so well? In fact, Satan used the law again when he used the Vatican to kill over 500 million Christians between 538 A.D. and 7, 
1898 A.D. Some say that's 50 million. I think 500 million is very conservative. Um, who knows? I know one thing. Lord says he's responsible for all the slain on the earth. So that's a lot more than 500 million if you think, take, you know, include everyone else who was not, did not claim to be a Christian. They refused to break commandment number one by bowing before the Eucharist set up by the Catholic Church as a God on earth worthy of worship. Wacky. Why would he do that to each? Why would they do that to anyone else? You have to be demon possessed to even think that's okay. No matter how nice you sound, no matter how pleasant your voice is, no matter how soothing your familiar spirit is. It's wicked. It's just wacky. It's like forcing a person to bow down to Bambi or a pitcher or a, 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 a teddy bear. It's just ridiculous. You know, a lot of people find that offensive, but you know what? I find it pretty offensive, too. It's whole Eucharist thing. It's ridiculous. The choice will be soon... The choice will soon be place before all living souls on earth. The beast will seek to use force against those that wouldn't make the decision to worship him right off. This is why the hand is mentioned here. Satan will use force against God's people by removing their ability to work. Oh, they've already done that to me. Since this life is a death sentence anyways, I'm going to try to do my best to choose eternal life, and that would be through Jesus Christ at the papacy. Jesus Christ. As well as coerce them, coerce them by other methods. In other words, let's say you do refuse to go along and lose your job or business. It's not... Over yet, Satan will then seek to force you to buy things in ways you might not expect. One example could be, if your faith is weak, entrusting Christ to feed you during this time, as he promised to do in Isaiah 33:16, Satan will dangle food you have to purchase. He will place this before your eyes as your only way when you're hungry. But in order to purchase the food, you must go along with the Roman mandate, thereby receiving the mark in the hand by doing so. That's what happened to Haiti right now. And our turn is really close. Luke 17.33, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. God, give me the strength to do that. Please, in the name of Jesus Christ, give me the strength to do that. For I don't have it. Since we understand making the decision to accept Jesus as Savior, as well as accepting his teachings, which includes his law, 
in the same as being sealed or marked in the forehead by Jesus as one who is saved or is marked with the seal of approval by the Creator. We must also understand that accepting the doctrines, teachings, and traditions of the Roman Catholic Church that is directed by men who in turn are directed by Satan, who mean we accept, which would mean, excuse me, we accept the mark of the beast in the forehead. Also understand, so this mark of the beast in the forehead has already started a long, long time ago. It's not future tense, is it? It's been going on all along. It's future tense as far as it, our turn. Our, our turn. We look at Haiti. We look at all these other countries in the world that have been that are controlled by Roman Catholicism. They have gone through this. That maybe the magnitude of this will increase to a million fold and make it to a point where it literally is inescapable. But I, I don't know that. I know a lot of people feel that way, but uh, you're still supposed to be God's people on earth when Christ comes, so somehow they escape it. Maybe they'll be following, like, uh, uh, Nicholas Arthur's doing, and others like him. And God give him the ability to do that. God bless him. And God bless him with all that, that, that path, and they're capable of doing it. And all glory to God. Uh, I mean, some of us, that might not be our, our path. You know, some of us might lose our heads, and most of us might die from other ways and other diseases and other things. And God knows what's best, and he knows what the best path is for each and every one of us. He has a plan out already, so. I guess we just have to learn how to put our trust in him. Since we understand that making a decision to accept Jesus as our Savior, as well as accepting his teachings, which includes his law, is the same as being sealed or marked the forehead by Jesus as one who is saved or is marked with the seal of approval by the Creator, we must also understand that accepting the doctrines, teachings, yeah, I just read this, traditions of Roman Catholic Church that is directly directed by men who are turned, in turn, are directed by Satan, who would, uh, Satan would mean that we accept the mark of the beast before it. I said this sentence wrong so many times now. I said it one more time. We must understand that accepting the, the doctrine, teachings, and traditions of the Roman Catholic Church that is directed by men who in turn are directed by Satan would mean we accepted the mark of the beast in the forehead. Okay. Also understanding there will be those that aren't Catholic or even Christian, but they will do as the beast commanded commands for fear of death. 
or lose their livelihood from not being able to buy or sell anything unless he or she has the mark. Those that fear losing their ability to buy or sell will be bluntly making a decision to accept the demands of the beast over and above the commandments of the Lord. This will be those who receive the mark in the right hand because they are forced against their will. Their forehead wasn't marked because they didn't decide to agree of their own free will. They don't want to lose their livelihood in which to buy and sell a global boycott will cause. That will eventually force many to go along with the laws of the beast, especially the rich who have never learned to trust the Lord in the first place. See Luke 18, 25 and 26. This is why society is based on debt today. It allows for greater control and temptation on the people. When the people are threatened with losing their ability to keep their bill, uh, to keep up with their bills and lose their mortgages and cars and other uh, creature comforts bought with credit, they will easily be forced to go along with Rome's mandate if they never learn to trust Christ as Lord. The true Catholic or any other Christian that accepts this unbiblical doctrines of the man created in Rome will have received the mark in the forehead because they already made a free will decision that their church is correct in replacing scripture for traditions of men. Summing it up, if you receive the mark by choice, this means you've made a free will decision that the traditions of men are acceptable over Scripture. Therefore, you'll be marked in the forehead. If you're forced to receive the mark by not being able to buy or sell or any other means, a force that goes against your free will, it will be that you're one that is marked in the right hand. When it comes to the mark of the beast, without realizing that Roman Catholic Church makes both prophetic and blasphemous boasts, as well as an undeniable link by the following documented confession. Quote, a course Of course, the Catholic Church claims that the change of Saturday Sabbath to Sunday was her act. The act is a mark of her ecclesiastical authority in religious things. H.F. Thomas, Chancellor of Cardinal Gibbons. Sunday is our mark of authority. The Church is above the Bible, and this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. Catholic Record of London, Ontario, September 1st, 1923. The reason they claim they are above the Bible is because they look upon the Protestant churches, they claim to follow the Bible only, yet they are keeping Sunday as Sabbath, 
which actually a law written only in Catholic dogma, Sunday Sabbath is not found anywhere in the Bible of the Protestant of the Protestant. Hence, the Catholic Church naturally believes they are above the Bible because all churches do as she commands over and above what they, their own Bible commands. The authority of the church could therefore not be bound to the authority of the scriptures because the church had changed the Sabbath to Sunday, not by command of Christ, but by its own authority, canon and tradition, page 263. And it was the Catholic Church, by the authority of Jesus Christ, which has transferred the rest of, to Sunday in remembrance of the resurrection of our Lord. Therefore, the observance of Sunday by the Protestants is a homage they pay, in spite of themselves, to the authority of the Catholic Church. And uh, as uh, MGR, Seizure, Plain, talk about the Protestantism of the day of today, page 213. Question, which is the Sabbath day? Answer, Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Answer, we observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church and the Council of Laodicea in AD 3... 64, transfer the solemnity of Saturday to Sunday to convert the convert's catechism of Catholic doctrine, page 50, the third edition. Uh, Numbers 2320 states, Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Did you notice how this verse easily proves that no one can change or transfer anything the Almighty makes holy. It is sheer demonic arrogance of mankind to think they can actually make anything holy, let alone remove holiness from that which the Creator has blessed. Still, Rome continues to boast, Sunday is the Catholic institution, is, an, is a Catholic institution, and it claims the observance can be defended only on Catholic principles. From the beginning to end of Scripture, there is no single passage that warrants the transfer of weekly public worship from the last day of the week to the first. Catholic Press, Sydney, Australia, August 1900. The Almighty says in the Old Testament, Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of, of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He also said in the New Testament, 
Hebrews 4, verses 4, 8, and 9, for he spoke in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest in the seventh day from all his works. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Notice the word rest. That is used here in verse 9. Strong's uh, number 4520 sabbatismos uh, rest from the derivative of 
there we go. It's the Sabbath day. It is, for me at least. And uh, so I wish you all a happy Sabbath. Uh, please enjoy resting in the Lord. Learn what that means. It's not all about man-made religion. It's really not that burdensome. Actually, it's quite nice to turn off all the nonsense and all that stuff. With that, uh, God bless and take care. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.